welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Hey, superstars, welcome back to another episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Today I am joined by Word Up podcast favorite Michael Wan, master of time and astrology and uber expansive synchromystic thought. Michael and I dropped in on the solstice, the winter solstice. Of course, the show is not coming out on the solstice. And because we talk about it, I thought, Good to give you guys a little bit of a heads up as to the um, magical auspicious timing of this recording. Before we dive into today's episode, I am reminding you to click that subscribe button to like, to share, to comment, to tell all your friends that this is your very favorite podcast so they can join us too. As well, it would be great for you to sign up for my newsletter at dannycats.com. It is the absolute best way to ensure that we get to stay in touch. Um, big tech shenanigans notwithstanding. The way this podcast is structured, the first half is free on all of the audio podcast platforms as well as on Locals and Odyssey where free speech is respected and protected. The second half is available for my paying supporters on Locals and on Patreon. So choose whichever platform feels most aligned for you, if not both, because abundance rocks. As well, if you would like to make a one-time donation, if that feels more aligned for you in supporting my work, you can do that in 
the link in the show notes or through my website, dannycats.com. I think that does it for housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy my conversation with Michael Wan. quite frankly podcast and the whole chat hated my guts and someone conjectured that because my background is black and white and my microphone is red I'm clearly a mason why did they hate your guts um my voice is too shrill the gap in my tooth is hideous she's a Jew I mean it was just literally people say that I was shocked I was utterly shocked i you know what this was kind of one of the things that i wanted to talk to you about and i want to know what you want to talk about is i feel like there's been a quantum leap in the devolution of the social contract in the past two to three weeks that's like marked and startling Hmm. and that was one of the signs to me because it was also like I've been on quite frankly three times. It's like you don't trust Frank enough to extend the guest a little bit of respect. It, it was so odd. So I apologize. I need to get a little bit of food inside me before we start. Apology rejected. Do what you got to do. And, and we're on the, are we on the show right now? Like this is what we're doing right now. We'll will show upon what you're gonna you're you're gonna broadcast. Correct. We can edit it out. Well, I don't know. Like, I just talk, but I want to make certain, like, like you're okay with me eating as as we, we do our show, because we're going to talk about some interesting stuff right now. Because I feel like my show is very clearly substance over style. And if people can't roll with that, then they're not going to... We've talked about this before, like how everything I do has like a touch of janky to it. So this is just how we do it. Perfect. I'm on the same page. I'm on the same page. I was once on a show... And and someone gave me a hard time because I was talking. Only time I think I've ever had a hard time on any show that I've been on, but it was like a panel show. And one of the guests, who was someone who I didn't know before, but I definitely respected their work. And I was surprised by their sharpness at my lack of decorum. But I was like, all right, no, I, you're right. I am eating. And I probably could have eaten beforehand, but I didn't. So, so that being said, so the question you brought up to me, which which already got my mind working, is about in the past two or three weeks. So today is December 21st. Um, happy would, solstice. Happy solstice. Uh, which is why I've got the, the background uh, the way that it is. Um, a, 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 uh, a devaluing in the, or a devolving of the social contract. Like people are just even ruder than they were before. Is that what you're, is that what you've been experiencing? Way ruder. And also that like the, I mean, obviously, and I've spoken about this before, like I love traditional gender roles and dudes being dudes, but I've also noticed in the past few weeks, like men don't hold doors, don't offer to help carry things, will jock to get in front of me. It's like there, there is no social contract anymore. Hmm. Um, I haven't necessarily noticed that, but. I think that I live in a bubble and I don't know if it's like a bubble in my own head or a bubble that just surrounds me, but I have not um, had that experience, but I do know that that has been um, certainly like hyped up, like uh, particularly uh, you made the comment about you being, uh, uh, I don't think you said a Masonic Jewess, but I'm going to call you a Masonic Jewess. I'll take uh, it. But hasn't that been like what, what, what's been in the, for the last 90 days pumped into the mainstream narrative is like, you know, all of the, um, the spike in anti-Semitism. Are you experiencing that? No, me neither. <laughs> but, but I'm wondering if like, like if that is something which is being pumped in, like, I mean, how it work the way how I I've seen it work and what seems to make sense is like the nature of how the realm works is when you are the more connected you are to whatever you're connected to like there's that the the influence of what your outer world is connected to is going to then spill into your your inner world so i'm not necessarily saying like everyone who watched that show or what you're experiencing is becoming anti-semitic but because that is a theme right now like you know 
back during the 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 Black Lives Matters protests, like it was like racist. You're anti-racist now. You're now you're like anti-Semitic. Doesn't matter. The idea is like division and anger stuff like that. So like like that makes sense to me. That people, even people who aren't necessarily subscribing to the mainstream media, but they're still watching it, even if they're watching it with like a uh, an antithetical perspective, like I'm alternative, you know, look at the mainstream, it still affects consciousness. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast, unless you're you're very, very self-aware uh, or, or, or self-contained. And so that would make sense. Um I haven't seen that. Uh, what I did see the other day, um, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit of the of 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 Junus, if you will, is I saw that there was um, like a ad for the blue square, put the blue square on to stand for Israel for like being against anti-Semitism or something like that because of the rise in anti-Semitism. So I know that that's being pushed as an idea, regardless of how someone receives that. Um, and then I coupled that uh, I watched a movie. There was a movie, and we'll maybe we'll get into why I watched a movie. But it was called. It was it was like a teenage girl film, and it's called "You're Not Invited to My Bar Mitzvah." Are you familiar <laughs> that this is the movie? No, but I love the title already. So, so this is what it, it was an Adam Sandler film. Like I didn't know this was released. I'm. I, I used to be so so connected to to mainstream culture and media. Uh, both is like a participant and then also just like as like a, a critic of it. And now for the most part, I'm just I'm I'm removed, but I still go into it. And so I went into it and I saw this movie and it is primarily uh, targeted to like probably like 13, 14 year old girls. And this, the story behind it is like some 14 year old girl and going through like 14 year old girl sort of stuff. And it was uh framed up around a bat mitzvah and like her and her friend like had a fight and you're not invited to my bat mitzvah. But the the point I, I'm bringing up with this film, which I was so intrigued by, was how insulated um, like Jewish culture can be. And the movie basically takes place or like the, the, the characters within the film uh, I'm assuming it was like an L.A. suburb, but they all went to like Hebrew school and like all their friends were Jewish and everyone was Jewish. And like all they do is surround themselves with like Jewish people. And you met Christy, my partner. She was raised in a Pentecostal background and she was raised in what's ba basically referred to as Pennsylvania, like uh, the rural parts of Pennsylvania where there are literally no Jews so like people are aware in this air in the area of like there are Jews and there's a Jewish culture and they also know that they can't be anti-Semitic because in this age, like, you know, you you know, you can't be anti-Semitic and that creates like all sorts of like internals um, uh, of internal um, conflict. But what I was noticing, I was watching it with Christy and how unfamiliar she was with all of this world and the culture of like Hebrew school and like just being totally surrounded by like by Jews. And I'm like, that is like really, really um uh just how how strange that is. Like both like the influence, the influence that like uh you know I'll use the term person like Adam Sandler could go and create a movie which really only appeals to a very, very small or at least could really uh um relate to the the theme of the movie a small percentage of the population yet it's put out there and just like that whole sort of idea of judaism and its role in the broader culture in creating the culture and how the majority of the culture doesn't even isn't even part of it like they're they're still kept they're still kept in a distance from it um so going back to the original point of what's being put out there in terms of like the um, the the rise of anti-Semitism, which is really the rise of of like anti-Zionism and the whole thing which is going on in like the, the Palestinian thing, like like yes, that's going to create so much. I would imagine internal conflict for a lot of people one way or the other. So that's probably in play that's that's always a good thing to add into the into the mix i suppose for the for the those who write the scripts well i mean i have a <clears throat> i've always 
rejected the anti-Semitism thing because my family were all Zionists and it always seemed like whiny and victim-y to me. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in the San Fernando Valley where everyone was Jewish. And I think that's like, I've seen that in Hollywood from the inside um, in that Hollywood is predominantly Jewish. So the people there write our stories, you know, that don't necessarily re- relate beyond. And I have a lot of, you know, for a while I was, you know, screenwriting and taking those meetings and whatnot. And it was always like, you have to think beyond Los Angeles. You know, growing up in LA, I thought Jews were the majority because that's how it was where I grew up. It was weird to me that there weren't Jews elsewhere. But I know, I mean, I found the papers that like, you know, Tavistock created this whole anti-Semitism, the idea that Jews, that the world is against Jews. I mean, I honestly don't even believe that God said they're the chosen people. I'm like, God wouldn't say that, that uh, like, I don't buy that piece. And it's interesting how that's the piece that everyone resents. So I don't really believe that anyway, as far as I don't even know what anti-Semitism means. Someone saying shut up Jew on the internet, that doesn't count as anti-Semitism to me. Like that doesn't affect my life in it. Like I don't care. And I'm used to that being in the conspiracy community for as long as I have been. People shit on Jews in our community all the time. That's not new. What I've noticed is people feeling more free in the past couple months to say, well, it's the Jews, the Jews, the Jews out in the open where before it might have been like kind of behind their hands or behind closed doors. But I also don't really care about that either. Like it's not I'm so I'm far more annoyed by attempts to control speech than I am by people saying mean things about Jews, say mean things (laughs) about Jews because I'm going to protect your freedom to do that. Um, uh. You just you just brought up so many fun things. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm in total agreement. Like I, I think the whole like the anti everything, like all like I suppose there's a little bit of of natural, like what you would call tribalism. I suppose, um, but that's obviously been uh, stoked. Like that is just a general thing of like you know divide and conquer. Um, and and is it a real thing? I don't know, but I know it's something which is talked about a lot. And to your point about anti-free uh, speech, um, in more of a general sense, like as soon as you, as soon as there are things you can't say, you know, as soon as like there is something that that cannot be spoken about, well, then that creates a much greater problem. Uh, internally within like an individual person or or a collection of people, because you're like, Oh, I can't say something. And now there's like a charge around it. And that charge is going to go and, and, and create all these sort of things. So maybe you're right. Like we're, we're seeing like a release of just really things you weren't ever allowed to say, which probably people didn't even care about. Like most people don't even care. Um, what what's funny is that I want to go in and, and, and juxtapose or compare like the Jews to the Amish because I grew up or I lived in a place which was really like pro or, or heavily populated with the Amish. And you could say whatever you want about the Amish, like no one really cares. And just like how there's not a charge around that. Uh, I don't think people like really hate the Amish. I don't think they care about the Amish. I think they find them interesting or charming. Like, is it like, like looking at someone, an animal in a zoo, like that seems to be more real. Uh, I think the Amish and the Jews are probably the same people like that's like or same culture. The culture, Hasidic Judaism and, and, and Amish lifestyle are immensely similar once you get away from the obvious separates. Yes. Well, aren't Amish people like self-sufficient and they can like make things and fix things? Yeah. So no offense, but every Jewish guy I've dated is useless with tools and can't do shit. Totally, totally. But if you go and you look at like Fiddler on the Roof, those guys knew how to make things. So it's more of like a cultural thing, like what the right. way in which I see the the Jews and the Amish or the Jewish community or Jewish culture and specifically like a Hasidic Jewish culture uh, in comparison to Amish is like one is urban and one is rural. Right. Um, but other than that, they dress the same. They kind of look the same. They're like uh, they're immensely um, 
isolated. They have very, very specific rules. They're very orthodox about their rules. Um, they're very similar in how they do business. They're very similar on how they think about people who are not part of their crew. I mean, so like when you begin to look at that and they're all like kind of from the same part of like Europe. Like if you go back to like, you look at what's called Pennsylvania Dutch, which is the like the, the, the dialect of German, which is spoken. And that's very similar, maybe not specifically in words, but conceptually the same as Yiddish. And so like, it seems it seems very similar to me. That's always been my my observation. But the point is what I wanted to go with this is like there is not a charge, a cultural charge talking about the Amish now. And, I, and let me go and add this one thing uh, to to this point, And then I want to hear what you, 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 you got to say is the only movie, the biggest movie which has been kind of made about the Amish culture is a movie that came out in the 80s called witness do you remember the movie witness was with melanie Harrison? griffith was melanie griffith in it she no no um it was the the woman from top gun and it was with the guy from uh star wars and working girl Her well harrison ford, harrison was ford. In, so he was in it so it's like a big film there's a there's a scene in the movie where Harrison Ford is um, like, he's dressed as an Amish person, like he's in hiding. Uh, and he's with like his protective Amish family and they're like someplace and takes place in Lancaster, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And there are some local like, like uh, redneck Lancaster guys and they're giving him a hard time. And they, they show, there's a scene where they like, like push a ice cream cone on his face and like the, his Amish, his Amish, uh, uh, the guy who's caring for him, the elders, like we, you know, we're pacifists. We turn the other cheek. And um, Harrison Ford was like, well, I'm a I'm a Philadelphia cop. And he turned around and punched the guy in his face. But the point I want to make was like in that movie, they they the 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 story created a tension an implied tension there was between like the regular folk and the Amish in Lancaster. I lived in Lancaster for like 15 years. That just doesn't exist. There is a little bit of like anger um, in the fact that a lot of um, some of the locals who aren't Amish, like get annoyed by some of the Amish, uh, the Amish ways, like specifically the the horse and buggies break down the road. And so like people who drive trucks, like get annoyed because the um, there are ruts in the in the tarmac or whatever it's called. The I can't think of the term for road. The asphalt, but there's no like that, like that doesn't exist. And so what I'm I'm kind of that, that, that charge, that hatred doesn't seem to exist in reality, or at least I've never seen it, but it was introduced in a Hollywood film. So going back to your point about like anti-Semitism, like almost being like an egregore, like an idea, an ideology, which is like, has been put out there, um, uh, you know, that's stoked. Uh, and it never caught on with the Amish because it doesn't seem to have like as big of a deal and the Amish don't control the Hollywood and don't, you know, don't have that story going along with it. But but I I agree with you on that point that it's being manipulated, the the uh, tension. But then the question I always ask also is like, now I'm assuming that this is true. And what I'm going to assume is true is it's history because I was told about history is like all of the history of the Jews in Europe have been kicked out of like 500 different villages throughout the Middle Ages. And then all of like the the um, the blood ritual sacrifices, which were the reasons why that the Jews were cut out. Like if that's a thing, like if that really happened and there's like certainly a lot of historical evidence to say that happens like, well, there might be a there there like that might be a reason. But but I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know where we are with that right now in reality. I don't know where we are either, because that's one of those like, you know, definite fourth rails that we're not allowed to talk about. But from what I've heard about that, those were the Khazarian Satanists pretending to be Ashkenazi Jews and still practicing their satanic nonsense while pretending to be Jews. Again, I don't Exactly. It's like these stories literally feel like they were they were scripted, they were written and like, you know, and we inherit all of them. But I think as far as like 
I, I like the example of witness because I feel like if the Amish chose to pick up the victim narrative and cling to it and create a sort of separation consciousness and like, you know, make this big deal about how they needed to be a protected class, then we could see more tension. And I see Jews doing that and it annoys, it annoys me. What, well, like the whole, is, like, this is the problem. It's like, think of like the little Poindexter teacher's pet in elementary school who was favored. And then you go out to the playground for recess and everyone kicks the shit out of him because they're annoyed that he's favored and protected. I feel like that's what happens with protecting Jews. You know, all these like free speech platforms that those of us have moved to that have had issues with YouTube. They're like, you can say whatever you want, but you can't deny the Holocaust. That's a problem. Why can't we deny the Holocaust? Why can't anyone deny the Holocaust if they want to? And the fact that we're not allowed to deny the Holocaust is suspect for me. And I don't blame people for resenting Jews when we're conflating Zionism with Judaism, when we're conflating Israel with a Jewish state, when we have the ADL spreading hate, sowing division. So I get it, but it's all by design from the social engineers. And then you have the stories about like, the Jews in Hollywood and right, like everything that Kanye's pissed off about. And what I don't think people realize is that Jews in Hollywood treat other Jews just as badly as everyone else. Like that's just the nature of that industry, which again gets conflated with Jews because it's dominated by Jews. But the same goes for like, you know, the Vietnamese women who dominate the cheap manicure industry, you know, like, Definitely there are groups of people and races who flock towards different professions. And it's not to say that they're acting honorably, but I feel like that might be more a reflection of the profession, right? Anyone who's a a parasite, who's an agent or a manager or a publicist who's feeding off of other people's talent, like that's gross. But now that's been conflated with Judaism Right, because so many of these Hollywood agents and managers are Jewish. So I feel like the whole thing gets kind of muddy. Uh yeah. It um it 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 definitely does. It's uh um it's I mean that that's the I, I remember I, I I once heard this kind of like truism and it's always stuck with me, and it was talking about problems and there are problems that have no solutions and then there are problems that have solutions and typically like problems that have solutions are natural like something like that naturally comes up there will be a natural solution and then there are problems that have no solution and those are always created by culture created by mankind sort of thing and what you're describing is is like one of those problems there's no solution to that this is like it is so complex that like you're not going to you're not ever going to find a solution within the confines of that paradigm and the only thing to do is just like leave that paradigm and i mean that's true with like you know all of like the divide and conquer stuff uh but back to your point about like the hollywood and like how horrible like everyone treats everyone in that industry there's only one other industry that i've ever really heard that as a description and primarily like one company which was known for being the worst at like how it is just the the value of that corporation to like treat people who are lower than you like as poorly and as horribly as you can and that would be goldman sachs and that would be like wall street which is again it's the same friggin' thing and so like <laughs> i mean and then there's the other piece which i'm not supposed to say say it but i've waited tables for 12 years right and you learn a lot about people from waiting tables and i will say choose are the shittiest tippers the most high maintenance, there are always exceptions. I'm sure you're not one of those. I'm not one of those. Emily isn't one of those. But you start to see how groups show up and they're like kind of a pain in the ass. And I heard like it was earlier this week where there was, because yeah, this anti-Semitism story is 
definitely out in the open in our culture. And someone was saying something about how Jews are obnoxious. And then someone was getting their panties in a bunch about the bigotry of saying Jews are obnoxious. And I went to dinner with a friend of mine last night and we walked into this very small restaurant and there's this very loud person at a table whose voice is like 30 decibels louder than everyone else. And he's clearly a New York Jew. And I turned to my friend who grew up in Minnesota. I'm the first Jew he actually, I mean, I'm sure he met them, but like he didn't grow up with Jews either. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh my God, is it true? Are like, are we all like that? And he just burst out laughing and he's like, no comment. And then I'm like, yeah, I think I'm probably that person who's too loud in the restaurant too. So there's also something to the fact that like a lot of these stereotypes are true and why can't that be okay? <laughs> all right. So, all right. I had no idea this was going to be to be a Jew talk, but okay. <laughs> um Watching that movie, so I'm watching with Christy. Christy's like uh, one of the things which which she noticed. She she didn't use the word obnoxious, but it's the word dramatic. <laughs> it's drama, and it's like I don't think of myself. I'm definitely not the loudest person in the restaurant. I'm definitely like I I don't consider myself a Jew, but I had I did have a bar mitzvah. My mother was Jewish, and so like if the rules which they go by, which that doesn't mean it's my rule, but anyway. So I'm like, I don't think of myself as obnoxious, but I'm like, damn, do I love drama. <laughs> and, and like, that is not part of like the culture which she grew up in. It is not dramatic. And to make things even more interesting. So we just spent, we spent 72 days down in Florida in, and, and that's a whole nother conversation. And we spent some time with my parents and my mother is, uh, like early eighties and there's something going on upstairs. Like, like, like her, I don't know. Like part of it is like a cognitive decline from memory, but not severely, like, not like when you see like Alzheimer commercials, like, I don't know what, what's happening, but I am able to see that both like she's changing a little bit memory wise, but she's definitely changing in her personality. And uh, my mother, growing up, uh, and how I've known her, she's always been a very um, like uh, like everyone loved my mother. She had a personality which was just really, really engaging. She wasn't difficult. She was funny. She was very like uh, like accepted everyone and just had one of these personalities. And her personality has changed like as like her her mental state has changed. And what she's become is like really, really friggin' sharp. Not necessarily like sharp, mean, but like sharp, like, like, like it's funny. Like she's really funny. Like with, with, with Christy, she keeps on calling her like, like Shiksa, Shiksa, you can't say that. Shiksa, you're going to eat last. And she's being funny with it, but she's being serious with it. And we're all laughing. But like, that was the thing <laughs> which like Christy and I would talk behind closed doors about like this nature of like drama and this nature of like being funny and like everything has like this like charge to it. So let's, let's even bring this back. <laughs> let's, let's bring this back like, and, and maybe even soften it a little bit when we're talking about like, you know, the, um, the creation of all of the the cultural drama like like that is to an extreme but like i'm even seeing it like from my own self who i don't think of myself or categorize myself in like a a cultural sort of way of being jewish though i had some exposure to it both like i suppose genetically and 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 growing up with it but i certainly do like drama i do enjoy like a lot of excitement i like you know i to be where the action is and so maybe that is part of it as well so I don't know yeah I mean I never growing up with Jews I didn't really identify as a Jew because I didn't go to Hebrew school I wasn't bat mitzvah because I was in gymnastics I didn't have time for that and then when I left the valley I kind of rejected everything that I came from and decided like I want to meet different people and new people and you know get out of that kind of safe bubble. But then I noticed in like Burning Man circles, ayahuasca circles, hippie circles, like whatever, that 
the Jews and I, we would just kind of gravitate toward one another very naturally. And so I didn't realize I was Jewish until those things started happening and realized, oh, it does feel like home, like tribe. It's very familiar. Um, and that's really my only connection to it that that feels real and lived in my experience. That I can I can relate to that. I can relate to that very much. I've made the same sort of observations like like uh, in. Yeah, I've, I've seen that as well. But to me, I think that the Israel-Palestine thing is such a psyop. I think the whole Jew conversation is such a psyop of course. that I have no opinion. So I have no charge, you know, so I, I feel the same way. Yeah. So like people can say whatever they want around it and I don't get triggered. You know, Emily and I just talked about the Kanye tantrum last weekend. Did you see the video? I don't know. What did he say? He was going off on the Jews and Jew this and Jew that. And there was a lot of truth mixed in. And I'm like, go Kanye, like say whatever you want. You know, like none of the the weird anti-Semitism stuff has any charge for me whatsoever. Um, so I don't think I attract it. I don't take it seriously. When people say die Jew online, I'm like, I'm so curious about your perspective. Like, tell me more, you know, like I'm just open about the whole thing because I feel like I don't know anything. And then like my own personal bloodline, allegedly, you know, I'm from the King David lineage. We're like as Jewy as it gets in terms of like Solomon and Israel and all that stuff. But then I read a book over the summer about how all, that whole story was stolen from Egypt and actually took place like hundreds and hundreds of years before. So now when people ask me about my family and where we're from, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I really have no idea. Uh, I that's I've come to a conclusion about that with everything. Like I said that, like, I don't know if the history is right. Like um, everything, every every piece of story Every every story that comes over a screen to me, like I'm just assuming is a lie. And maybe maybe it's actually happening, but I'm like, if I don't see it with my own eyes, and even if I see it with my own eyes, I'm still gonna think it's probably a lie. Like that's the that's the conclusion which I have reached right now in my life, like with all of the with all of the different perspectives I've taken with like different narratives, like learning the conspiratorial or what have you. And you just as what you're saying, like the the mature way, and what I mean by mature is like you've had experience by being emotionally vested in stories and then finding out that the stories are bullshit on every side, that the only like safe way to go is like it's probably all just fucking lies. It's all just lies to get you worked up. Or it started out as a lie and then it became something, but it's based upon a lie, you know. Uh the what you just said in terms of the King David narrative just being the rehash of like another story, like that seems to be the truth. Like that that modus operandi of history of stories which we assume to be true have been taken from other people like that seems to be the truth in everything um you know and i'm not one who necessarily subscribes to the whole idea that this is a simulation like that that doesn't do it for me but i'm certainly like i don't know what this is and if it turns out to be a simulation, it's probably not how we think a simulation is, but I don't think whatever this life experience that we're having is anything like what we're framing it up to be. And when you think that way, then it's easy to write everything off or to not take it as seriously. The only things you could really like that really matter are like the real relationships you have, the real people, the real things that you're experiencing on a, on a, on a tangible level. Yeah, I feel the same. And I've had people, you know, ask me behind the scenes, like, why aren't you coming out in support of Palestine? Like, why aren't you making a statement? And I'm like, well, A, who gives a shit what I think? But B, I've never been to Israel. Like, I don't, who am I to comment on this? Like, I'm, it's so far out of my lane. And P.S., do we not have anything happening in this country that is deserving of our outrage, of our attention, of um, some solutions-based conversations? Like, we're just going to outsource everything while freedom of speech is completely trampled on here? That's, I, I feel like we have much more pressing issues to focus on. What are those pressing issues? 
freedom those of speech. Values, freedom of speech. But so where so freedom of speech, like I'm curious, so maybe this is a little bit of a pivot right now, because I know when I think of you, like um, like I know that that's language. Language is what I one of the in my my mental map is like what I I think of as it relates to Danny Katz and the power of language. I don't usually think of like freedom of speech, but it makes sense. Like now that it, now that we're having this conversation. So where in like regular life, like how, besides like the things that you're not allowed to talk about, like where is the freedom of speech like really becoming, um, like where is that showing up, like the pressing issues? Okay, I'm gonna answer your question in a second. Aside from the things we're not allowed to talk about, what is, is that? Is that mean? the whole thing? Is that it? Is that no, the- it isn't it, but I wanna know what that means. Like, that's insane. Um, so, <laughs> oh, so the thing, so- Primarily in our culture, it's it's like what we've talked about. It's things that are related to race and religion. I would say would be the strongest, most obvious things that are, um, and maybe now a little bit gender, a little bit gender oriented. Uh, but but those um, those would be the things we can't talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've found myself in a very interesting position in my life. Uh, one, not really having a strong emotional charge to or identity. I've never identified as Jewish. So because of that, like like Jew, like Jew talks never really bothered me. And I grew up in a socially um, designed community where um, it was like the all of the all of like the division was supposed to not exist. So like there wasn't like uh, a lot of people would say like I grew up being Jewish and 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 people threw rocks at me at the at the playground like that didn't happen. I didn't have those experiences. I went to uh, where I went to college was like the most homogeneous like waspy college you could imagine, and. I don't look Jewish. I don't identify with Jewish, but I'm Jewish, or at least I can like I can like play that part. And so I wouldn't say that I felt like I was a token Jew, but I was like the first Jew a lot of people met, and I was in the inner waspy like fraternity circle. So like I know that world, and like like and, and like we used to have like in college. I can remember like uh, like Jewish New Year parties where everyone would wear um, coffee filters on their head, like like as like a like a coming back to school sort of college. And I would literally be the only person who like knew what Rosh Hashanah actually was. Um, but, but the point I'm trying to make is like, so I've always been able to kind of like have the best, like personally, I had the best of both worlds. So I want to like throw that out there, like, because there's, there's certain people who I know who don't necessarily feel who haven't had that experience. And likewise, I also resonate with a lot of Jews, like a lot of Jews who would not like, who have a very insulated sort of, um, uh, experience and kind of like what you're saying and like some of the the circles that you've been in all the jews have congregated themselves i've been able to find myself in those circles as well and so i go in and out of that and i've also been really easy going into a lot of in my life it's been easy for me to go into a lot of circles which um you know someone who who on the surface like a white guy who looks like me wouldn't be able who would not traditionally be in and so because of that, like, I don't think that I have the most, my experience isn't common. Um, I don't carry a lot of those charges, but I'm very aware that race and religion and gender are right now, like those are the things people can't talk about. Um, and I guess I do like, I, I, I have my own way of, of how I've walked those lines um, within the circles I've been in, but, but that's how I've, I've experienced or or think about those things is like the stuff you can't talk about. Right. Got it. Okay. Um, so I mean, you know me, I'm quintessential Aquarian. So don't tell me what I can say or not say or do or not do. Like none of that is going to work. I feel like I mean, my dad had that experience growing up in Detroit where he was beaten up for being Jewish and whatnot. But I also felt like, and I was very clear growing up, like, don't project that onto me. We live in LA and I'm in present time. So I don't want to carry this your Jew hate into my reality where it's completely irrelevant. 
Um, where I'm seeing it these days, not just what we're allowed to talk about and not talk about, I got another YouTube strike for a show I did with Freeman. I was on his show. Steve sent me the file and I posted it unlisted on the back end. I got a strike for medical misinformation. We never talked about anything medical on any level. It was a completely trumped up fake charge, but there's no customer service there anymore. And because I got that strike, and I mean, anyone who tracks, I mean, obviously we're on my show. I don't talk about COVID. I don't talk about elections. I don't talk about the hot button um, censorship stuff. It's not interesting to me. So it's not, my content doesn't have anything to do with that. But I just got a new, I got in trouble in a new way on YouTube. And as of now, I'm the only one who I know who has these current restrictions. Not only have they limited how much I'm allowed to post, but now I can't access the transcripts of other people's videos. So it's just this encroaching on my freedom slowly but surely that infuriates me the fact that they made some big announcement that congress has announced that anti-zionism is also defined as anti-semitism like i'm not really interested in how you guys are weaponizing words and changing definitions we live in a country where free speech is protected so i'm tired of all of this and i'm living in new mexico where our tyrant governor has clamped down on the second amendment. And so now she has this edict in place that anyone with a um, carry license in Albuquerque has to surrender their guns. And her rationale for pooping on the constitution is, well, we control speech. No, we don't control speech. So for me, as a journalist who's had like that realm of my life, completely destroyed and taken away and all this like suppression and censorship i don't think there's anything more important it's the first amendment it's the very first one and the fact that not only is it being encroached upon but no one here can be bothered to raise an eyebrow about it i find especially annoying now that makes sense. So when when you when you put it in context, particularly with like your 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 journalism perspective, like I'm a journalist and and I so okay, now I now I understand with 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 a with a little bit greater um with greater understanding what what you mean by the the restriction of speech. Uh I haven't felt any of that. So what? Um, No, I haven't. Um, so you don't get, are your videos not being deleted, suppressed, shadow banned? Nothing like that's happening to you? Maybe shadow banned, but I wouldn't know. Like, I mean, that's kind of, uh, I <laughs> shadow banning is, I think, like, like one of the biggest, like, um, like, it's such a, it's such a, it's a, it's a huge gaslighting sort of like idea. Like, as soon as you're like, you throw that out there, you're like, because there's no way to really know, I think. I mean, there's certain ways I guess you could find out if things aren't showing up. But but anyway, uh, maybe things are being shadow banned. I don't know. I try not to put my mind there because I feel like I'd be chasing my own tail because I don't know. Um, I have noticed that... I have noticed that my the the numbers the numbers uh of views has has really reduced over the past couple of years but i also think maybe it has to do with like the content i'm putting out like it's changed a little bit or i don't know i don't i don't play the algorithm game i've certainly thought this though i've certainly thought that um or at least it's been brought to my awareness. I'm like, maybe this is true, is that they like fudge numbers. They keep numbers to look low. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. Like, I could see why, like what that would do to someone's like psychology. Like when, if you get a video, like I know if I have a video which has like more views than another one, like I have a certain feeling. I'm like, okay, this resonated more vice versa. Like maybe there's that. But I don't think, I've never had a strike. I've never had a video like taken down. I don't think. I don't pay that much attention. Um which I don't think I'm particularly 
skilled at probably the whole sort of distribution of content game. Um, but the upside of that is like, I also don't carry any concern about that. So if it is happening to me, I'm unaware of it. Like I'm, 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 I'm ignorance is bliss sort of thing. And I don't know how, like, I'm not, I, I, I'm a little bit conflicted with myself. Like when I think about them, like, I, you know, I, do I want to, are the amount of energy I go and I create, if particularly if I want to go and do a big presentation video, do I want to go and make certain that gets in front of as many people as possible? Like that would make sense. But, but do I really then want to go and swim in that murky sort of um, swamp, which is like YouTube and all of that? You know, I don't know. That That's my own internal conflict with that. I get it. And like the people who would benefit from your work, from your wisdom, from your perspective, like if your content is being hidden from those people, you know, it's not like it's an organic thing that like, oh, I guess that video just didn't resonate. Like, I know I've gone through my numbers, you know, and I've put the pieces together on the, the videos that they suppressed, you know, if I have like, 9,500 followers on Instagram and I'm getting 20 views, something's oh, amiss. Wow. Yeah, some, yeah, if that's the case, I definitely so, like something like that. And since 2012, you know, watching journalism tell me more and more that, oh, you can't say that, oh, we can't say that, oh, we can't say that. Like, I, no, it, it's a primary issue for me that, that well, I, I, I really I, I see that. You know, as it relates... As it relates to the internet, as it relates to anything that is happens over the internet, um, my fundament, my my first lens of looking at the internet is this is a piece of military of 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 military apparatus. It was created by the military. It's it's owned by you know owned by the military. So part of me always is like, well, if I'm on their turf, well, what do I expect? Like. And so, and 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 I'm I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are because I don't th I don't think everyone I'm not even necessarily saying like that's the the should I what are other perspectives other than that? Well, I think it has to do with transparency. You know, like okay. um, anytime I get I have something shadow not not anytime because it happens all the time, but there have okay. been a couple times where I've reached out to Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. I mean, I've had complete, like I had my whole Tumblr blog, just, they just like deleted me. And it was years and years and years of stuff. No explanation. You know, it's the way that they're doing it, which is very uh, mafia-like. Like, oh, I'm just gonna burn down your bakery and figure it out yourself. There's no, right. we're not pretending to be civilized. So when they shadow ban me, like I bought a Facebook ad last year for like a course I was teaching, it got five views because I can see on the back end and I right. paid for an ad. So when I reached out to Facebook saying, um, we have a problem here, they refunded my money. So I was like, okay, there's that. There was no conversation, but I'm like, where does it say in our terms of service that you can suppress my content and lie to me about it? If that's how you're run running your business, that's fine. But we allegedly have an agreement. So show me where in our agreement that it says you can do this. That's what I don't like is the deception of like, sure, we're giving you this platform in exchange for your free content. But then somewhere along the way, they change the rules and they're lying about it. Yeah, yeah. I guess I <laughs> go back I'm like, well, it's <laughs> always a military operation to begin with. I mean, I think that, and, and it feels like, like it feels like that. It, it and it, you know what's funny? So let me go and and I had this conversation with someone right before we you and I started recording, and for some reason, like the the idea of ninjas came up, and I I was talking about how ninjas are a byproduct of the samurai. And the samurai were the were the like the the military class of the of the empire of the imperialists in Japan. And they were very honorable, like, you know, this is how we fight and this is how we do it. And it's very ritualistic and, and this is how it's done. And then 
the ninjas came about as a result of that, where like the common folk were like, well, I can't go and I'm not allowed to have weapons. I can't, I can't learn to fight. And so um, the ninja attitude was everything is on the table versus like the samurai attitude, which is like, this is how we fight. And we go and we fight this way and it's honorable. And the ninjas are like, if it's available, then it's honorable for me to use. Um so bringing that as an idea back to this whole thing with like, like I won't even say a specific platform. I'm like everything on the friggin' internet. Like the whole thing to me is like it was created. Like it's always been like military industrial complex. Like I guess if you're going to do it, you got to do it like a ninja. Um, and and you can't expect – you. Like they're, they're, it's their rules, you know, they can, they, they're the ones who wrote the rules and we can't, ex we, we, I would be foolish for Mike, it, Mike would be foolish to expect them not to change their mind or always to change the table or always to like make it for their own benefit. And I guess because I accept that two things, maybe I haven't, I, I haven't gotten upset by it when it happens to me or two, like I don't even pay attention to it because I just assume they're always doing it. I don't think I'm quite a ninja because I don't put that much energy into being on the internet, but there's something about like, I can't, ex I can't expect any fairness. I can't expect any fairness from their companies. I can't expect any fairness from wall street. I can't expect any fairness from government. Like, like that's the whole thing in my opinion, like the, the assumption that it's going to be fair. I, I have always just assume is the wrong assumption. My assumption is like, yeah, they're, they are kind of dirt bags. And, and so uh, DMX, DMX famously said, like, you can't be angry at a snake for being a snake. You just got to know it's a snake and expect it to act that way. It's totally fair. And I think that your perspective is sane, right? I think <laughs> you're probably like a happier, calmer person than I am. But like two things that, I, so two things. One, you're asking me how it's relevant to me now. I'm um, in the process of digitizing my pop propaganda course and I'm figuring out where to host it. But I'm looking at like, who's free speech friendly and not gonna destroy it, right? So it's super relevant for my content of seeing like where I can place things, the rules are different for me. I find it interesting because one of the more frustrating pieces of the whole censorship landscape is the gaslighting around it and how the, normies in my life think that I'm being dramatic and making stuff up that isn't happening. So I find it interesting that you who's in the alt media community are also unaware of this. And that's the piece for me that's totally crazy making. Okay, is that so people don't realize this is happening. So that that the shadow banning or the fact that that they can take down like your your years and years of work on Tumblr overnight and like not give you any sort of like a warning or explanation or anything like that. All of it, the whole thing. And just the fact that they have the audacity to say, you're not allowed to say this. Like I've had so many Yelp reviews denied because you're not allowed to mention like anything, like the word communist or Nazi, or like, just like I color. I want to read your Yelp reviews. I want to read your Yelp reviews so badly. And for <laughs> clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review, as you are authentically inspired, as you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership 
patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, you can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo, where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.